0: Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show.
1: Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. My guest tonight is a baseball enthusiast and a diehard Yankees fan. She was born into it, so she never stood a chance to be anyone else's diehard. But she wouldn't have it any other way. She gives credit to her dad for this. She's a wife, a marathon runner, a dog mom to her pride and joy, Bronx and Harlem. She's she's producer and host of Babes Babes and a Yankees writer for the Jersey Sporting News. Her name is Jana Perlinger. Jonna, how are you tonight?
2: I am so good. I'm I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, yeah, doing good. I miss baseball, though.
1: So. Yeah, it's as of this recording, it's uh the end of January. We're sitting here freezing our butts off. Jonna was actually just saying, like, she it's literally zero degrees where you are. I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're literally just wearing a t-shirt, basically, a a thin sleeve t-shirt. I'm like, how are you doing that?
2: I just crank up the heat and, you know, stay inside.
1: (laughs) So, first thing I got to ask real quick right off the gate, marathon runner, how did you get into that?
2: Gosh. um, I hated running in high school. And I, like, like my parents had to like bribe me to go out for track, um, to like, you know, you're not going to get any playing time in the other sports if you're not like, you know, working in the off season. So you better go out for track. Um, so I actually didn't go out like two of the years, but I hated running. And I think it's because like running is used as a form of punishment, you know, and like in other sports. (laughs) And so like, I feel like it just took many years for me to just, get out there and like start doing it and once i realized like the endurance high and how amazing that is i just like was hooked so,
1: so i'm actually a track coach yeah and i always I, i'm i
2: sorry i don't mean to be offensive
1: it's cool i don't even care most ki- most kids on the team are like why am i here all i'm doing is running
2: yeah like yeah, we're running you, in circles
1: that's what you signed up for guys yeah granted, I just coached the sprinter. So I'm hopefully wondering one day if maybe I can just teach a kid to hit a ball and sprint down from home to first, just beat out the run. That's what I'm hoping for. Catch lightning in a bottle.
2: Coach some base runners there.
1: I would love to. I would, (laughs) I would literally love to, um, real quick tying in with the marathon running is what do you like most about it?
2: I feel like the runner's high. I like, I can't, state that enough but also like every time I cross the finish line like I run another marathon it like I cry it's weird like you just like it's so emotional because like you're just you're so proud of yourself that you just did what you did like it is pretty amazing so
1: how many have you completed eight geez so that's what, uh, it, it, that's how many miles in just the like completion aspect, like over 200 miles. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's in just the race. That's not even the training that you do. Right. My word, <laughs> my I, word.
2: Uh, like I, I haven't always tracked my miles on map, my run, but I started doing that a few years ago and I just hit 2,600 miles. So
1: that's I was like,
2: hundred A hundred marathons.
1: I think I just threw up a little bit. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm a sprinter, so I just go, all right, run in a straight line. (laughs) Yeah. So I can't do the whole multiple turns or running around for miles. I'm like, guys, let's just let's just sprint a little bit.
2: I feel like sprinting is like a whole it's it's a bear in itself. Like people don't they underestimate, I think, like how challenging sprinting is.
1: Yeah, they're definitely different. Uh different difficult things, distance running. It's just almost like how, how much like heart and like gut can you put into the race? And then for sprinting, it's, you have to do all of that in just a really small amount of time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess like another aspect that I love is that it's just like a personal challenge. You know, you're just like always competing with yourself and your personal goals. And it's not like a, I don't know. I like that aspect. You're bettering yourself.
1: Absolutely. And then I, you, at the beginning of this, you mentioned that you were trying to, your parents were trying to encourage you to stay in shape for other sports. What other sports did you play growing up?
2: I played volleyball, basketball, did track in the spring and then softball in the summer.
1: So yeah, it makes sense. The tie in from literally track. All right, cool. Go run, play softball. And then ultimately it kind of brings you to where you are today. And, you know, you write for the Yankees. That's gotta be a freaking awesome. Just, that's just great. That's literally my dream. You're doing my dream. So oh. teach, teach me how to do that.
2: No, <laughs> uh, I don't have to teach you. You're awesome.
1: The, just get uh, out there. It It's just tons of fun. And I've actually kind of asked you a little bit about that, you know, and that's kind of how we got in touch, you know, on Twitter. Um, Everyone at the end of this, and also in the link in the description, we'll provide uh, Jonna's Twitter handle, so that way you can always follow her and see what she's up to on Twitter. Um, So just kind of switching over is, I was wondering if you could share with everyone what may have sparked your love for the game of baseball in general?
2: I just was born into it. Like My dad is a huge fan, and he was always my softball coach, too, and so... Like, we were always the Yankees growing up, which, like, you know, all the other towns around us would just have, like, because we just played in a league, like, with towns around us, all the other teams would just be, like, you know, their town name and, like, their high school mascot or whatever, and we were always the Yankees. Like, I just, and, you know, I grew up going to games when we could, like, I grew up in the Midwest, and so... Like, we could really only catch them in Kansas City and, like, you know, on the very rare chance that they were in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I just have like such great memories of sitting around with my entire family, like, grew up with just like one little living room, one TV, and it was like Yankees are nothing. So um, I just have like really good memories of growing up that way and just watching with the family, bonding over all of those world series championships in the nineties. And yeah.
1: Now I, you share with me a little bit, you know, before we started talking like on this interview here is you actually met Buck Sherwalter when you were five and he may have gifted you something.
2: Yes. And I wish I had it here. Um, so I just took it back over to my parents' house, but um, We were actually in Colorado. It was the first ever first game ever played at Coors Field. They did an exhibition game, and it was when like the um uh, like why can't I think of it? What what is it called when like
1: like spring training when, batting practice know, in, like
2: ninety four when they had that uh, oh the strike yeah the strike like I don't know why gotcha I think of that. sorry no Um, Yeah, it was during the strike, and they did, like, this exhibition game. Um, And so it was the first game ever played there. Uh, Buck Shawalter was the manager at the time, and I was, like, four. Um, And so I'm, like, sitting in the stands right behind the dugout, and he just comes and, like, hands me this broken bat. Um, And the bat, like, goes back together.
1: It's really cool.
2: Wow,
1: that is this is ridiculous. First off, that's cool. You getting to like meet Buck Walter and then you get that broken bat. That's the first thing that's cool. Second thing that's kind of cool is you went during the strike years. Obviously you were very young, but my first guest on this show on this little project, you know, this little side tangent to Bleacher Brawls as a whole is our first guest was Joe Asanio, who was a former Yankees pitcher and he pitched in 94 and 95. So I'm like, holy cow, maybe he was at that game too.
2: Yeah, the crossover there, maybe.
1: That's just, I, I get excited over little things like that, and it's because the world is such a small place, and you just, it always seems like in baseball, there's 30 teams, and every team has like four affiliate teams where it's triple, double, high A, low A. Like It's like, wow, there's literally thousands of players in the league and, you know, tons of different fans are going to tons of different games. And it's like, wow, two people I spoke with on this show could have been at the same place at the same time.
2: Yeah. At some and point, like, like in Colorado, of all places that, you know, the Yankees hardly ever go to. So,
1: yeah, I'll have to check in with Joe to see if he ever like pitched there. In, yeah. uh, I know his first start, he was in 94 and his first start was in Seattle or his first game was in Seattle. He wasn't a starter. He was a reliever, but we'll save that for another time. Maybe I can link you guys up too. That would be great.
2: That would be awesome. Um, just unlike Yankees that I've met, I met Jim Leyritz this last, this past summer. Uh, wow. so cool. Uh, he was in Omaha. He happened to be here. Um, like for a triple A AAA game. And so, yeah, he just was, like, doing signings. And my family was all there, and we were all, like, so stoked.
1: Holy cow. Like, this is even funnier because (laughs) Joe is still good friends with Jim Laird now. So, it's literally, the pieces are falling together. I think we're going to have a super mega episode soon.
2: That is so awesome. Like, it actually reminds me, over the weekend, um, Jim Laird's joined this Facebook page that I'm, like, that I just follow it's like a Yankees fan page and he was like hey guys like is this a good Yankees page to follow and everyone's like yeah of course
1: of course (laughs) so
2: I commented with a picture that I took with him at that game this summer and I was like hey Jim nice to meet you this summer and he liked it so
1: that is so cool yeah and you know another thing that you mentioned you know off air before we came to this point was you also uh volunteered and had part of an all-star week what was that like
2: yeah so i was living in denver um i lived there for the past 10 years and i got an email from mlb about like signing up to volunteer and i was just like hell yeah like i don't i mean this is probably a long shot but like i'm gonna register so i registered as a volunteer and sure enough, like I got it, you just had to go to this like training on a Saturday. And so I got that. Well, then there were like 1600 volunteers, it was just like, it was an insane number of volunteers. I might be wrong about that. <laughs> that number might be a little excessive, but it was a lot. And then of those of that huge percentage of, um or that huge number of volunteers, only 30 people got to go to the MLB draft. Um so they like selected you and I got it like and so my job at the draft was literally just to show up in fan gear and like be on ESPN and just like scream for like every time the Yankees were were up. So
1: Th- this is literally the best. <laughs> oh, you want me to go there and just be excited about the team that I love? Well, of course.
2: <laughs> yeah exactly well it turns out like we had a lot of, there were fans from a lot of different teams which was really cool like I was surprised that um that we had that kind of showing but there were only like two other Yankee fans and so then like I caused a huge ruckus with some Red Sox fans I was just like because they were shouting like Yankee suck and so then I turn around and I'm just like 27 and i get the whole crowd just like going back and forth so that was on espn like you could hear that in the background
1: oh that is amazing especially because here at bleacher brawls we're the home of the greatest rivalry in sports yes and i love i love that little story right there (laughs) quick sidebar is there anything that you want to tell the red sox fans right now that may be listening
2: oh gosh
1: don't say anything too crazy they might come for you but
2: I don't, I don't like
1: if you want to humble them a little bit.
2: I I really don't. You know what? I actually want to tell them. I actually want to acknowledge that like don't at me if there are any Astros fans that listen to this show, but they have taken the place of worst fans, oh. <laughs> at least on Twitter. On Twitter, like they just come at you for nothing
1: absolutely
2: I'm just over here trying to like bolster my team I'm really excited for the season like yes we know that you owned us last year yes we know that you have won two world series championships we've won 27 we know what that's like but like I actually want to acknowledge that like the Red Sox are like here now like they're not (laughs) I don't hate them as much as I
1: They're not as hateable because they're not as, you know, they're not as like threatening.
2: But also I think they're going to have a much better season. And like, I think it's going to be good. I love Justin Turner. So I'm excited to see what he does for them.
1: Yeah. From a baseball fan standpoint, I'm definitely excited to see what he can do on a team like the Red Sox, where he can kind of come in and be the veteran leader that they may need with a lot of young guys. But I don't want him to do it against the Yankees.
2: (laughs) I know like, that's could... the that's the kicker that's like, the caveat I don't need that but yeah I think they're going to be decent this year
1: but I think they'll wind up being better than they probably should be or what we think they could be because last year they finished and last. but the Red Sox have a very good tendency of going from worst to first yeah and that's what I'm slightly worried,
2: worried about. about yeah
1: hey uh Red Sox team members here at Bleacher Brawls, you didn't hear that. I'm slightly worried about it. <laughs> but uh, when you were at that MLB draft, did you meet anyone there, or were you just literally an extra in the background?
2: Oh, I got a selfie with Swish. Swish delicious. Um, yeah, I got a selfie with Swish. Who else did I meet? Oh, Trey Sweeney. I got mm-hmm. a selfie with Trey Sweeney, um, Yankees prospect.
1: It- what was Trey like that day? I mean, he had to have been super excited, you know. You are getting picked to, you know, you're getting picked. Period. Now you're going to the Yankees.
2: And like, like you're the Yankees' first pick, so yeah, I feel like um, he was a little numb. Like when I met him, like he was numb to it. Like cause he had just come off the stage, mm-hmm. and then like I pulled him aside for a selfie, and uh, but yeah, he was so kind about it.
1: Very is that? Cool. Uh, is he, like, yeah. one of your favorite guys now that you kind of, like, met him on draft day oh, so you're, yeah. like, rooting for him? and.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm totally rooting for him. I mean, obviously, like, we have Volpe and all that. But, like, you know, maybe he could be a third baseman down the road.
1: Yeah. I, I'll actually ask you that now instead of later. I was going to ask you, like, hey, like, with all the Yankees middle infielders that they have is – it's pretty crowded and you can only put two guys there is – is it possible for Trace? We need to possibly, maybe move over to third base and fill in that spot because that should open up in a year or two.
2: I don't see it like in the near future or anytime. Yeah, I mean he's so young, and I feel like the Yankees just love to like keep guys down there forever.
1: It's
0: but it's I so just, bizarre.
2: And he hasn't had any exposure, obviously, mm-hmm. like in the majors. So I just don't.
1: That yeah, was- I've seen him play at the Somerset Patriots. So I actually live close to the Patriots and I got to see him play. I think he was in double a for a little less than a month or around a month. And I got to see him and boy, Oh boy. Can he hit the ball? Yeah. uh, Obviously Volpe and Peraza and all these other younger middle infielders that were coming up and are still coming up. They seem to get all the praise and I felt bad for Trey because I was like, did anyone not see him hit it over that wall over there? He hit it pretty far. And not to say, you know, not to take anything away from the other guys, but he's got a lot of pop in the bat. And if they can find a place for him, I'm really excited about Trey. He's actually probably my favorite Somerset Patriot.
2: Yeah. I think like it's just gonna be really fun to see what our A AA and triple A guys do this year. Like I'm there's a lot of eyes on them so, and a lot to talk about them.
1: So with your job as a you know you write with or write about the Yankees, you write for the Yankees, you know, part of Jersey Sporting News is um are you guys based is that company based in New Jersey and if so do you cover a lot of the Patriots games because you know they're obviously in New Jersey it's a lot easier to get to
2: Yes, we do cover the Patriots. I don't because I'm not right there. Um and so we have like a guy that that covers them in the summertime.
1: That's got to be awesome. But yeah. like the it, I it's like one of those I hate saying it like this, but when you get to cover those minor league games, you almost get to be like a hipster and go, oh, well, I knew about this player before it was cool
2: right And totally like I yeah, and I was like up close with this person
1: that that's just got to be a phenomenal experience and in in some ways, they're also minor league they're league experience, like with the game itself, but also dealing with the media, that where hey, you might pull them aside for a quick interview, like after a game, or you know, just on a rest day, and right. that's got to be interesting for you and them, you know, in yeah. that aspect. And so, if I can ask you a couple questions about your work, is how did you first get involved with it?
2: <laughs> they actually like sought me out on Twitter um they just like started following me and they like I guess they liked what they saw and so they reached out to me um and I was like what me like no like I don't think (laughs) um and yeah they asked me to start writing for them so I so I did and I love it and I was almost too scared to even like try it but I mean, it's my passion. So
1: is it one of the best decisions you ever made?
2: Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause now I'm like, I'm, you know, I was going to be starting a podcast and I mean, there's just like such a huge baseball community on Twitter that I've gotten, you know, to know, like getting to know you and people like you, other people in the the industry and people that are like, you know, where I'm at, just like kind of trying to break into the industry. So it's cool.
1: That's got to be just a ton of fun, but also, like, one day you're sitting there scrolling through your phone on Twitter, and then next thing you know, you're like, oh, you want me to work for you now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that
1: had to have been a really interesting experience. Like, one day you're the person reading it, now the next day you're writing it.
2: Right. And, and then, like, you're our lead, and, like, I'm not just, like, like I'm the only re- Yankees writer there. So that's uh, that's also a little surreal.
1: So, uh, sorry, I'm just literally. I was like, oh, I'm gonna ask this question later, but now I just feel like I need to ask it now. <laughs> As a Yankees writer, we have to know there's a lot of distress and anxiety. Left field, third base, you know this this uh, Frankie Montas getting hurt, and he's not gonna start the season. It's like, oh, what are we gonna do with that in that fifth spot in the rotation? It's like. Hey, are there some quick fixes internally that you think that the Yankees could like pivot towards to, you know, fill the hole, so to speak, without making any external moves?
2: Yeah. And I, like, I honestly, just because it's kind of their MO, I I don't see them like going externally before the season, like maybe at the deadline, but I don't see anything before that. So I mean, like we're stuck with Donaldson right now. Um, but what I don't want to see is for them to go with the same exact like lineup and thing that we've been doing that isn't working. So I want to see Peraza at short. Um, I don't know. I, if DJ's healthy, I'd love to see him at third base every day, but we'll see about that.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely see. I saw a couple reports that uh, of DJ you know taking some grounders obviously it's still January or February when you might be listening and you know a lot can happen between now and opening day right and it I think health is going to be such a huge thing for this Yankees team as it is for every team but a, a lot of the key pieces or guys who could be really key and if they went down could be detrimental, you know, but I think the blessing in disguise is, hey, like, you know, maybe he fouled the ball off on and broke his foot, Josh Donaldson. Maybe that might be a blessing in disguise for the team. I, yeah. and I, would, I
2: mean, honestly,
1: I would never I wish know. injury upon anyone else. And I say that all obviously all in joke, but, you know, it seems like the Yankees are a little flustered at third base and DJ could be a solution, maybe IKF. Playing third, yeah. like he did yeah. in, in Texas, and right. I'm wondering if maybe in left field. Obviously, a lot of people are, are shouting Oswaldo Cabrera. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if, as of right now, they have like 70 different guys trying out for left field. They bring in Willie Calhoun. They brought in a bunch of other guys on minor league deals, you know, and I didn't know if, if Oswaldo Cabrera is your guy in left field. Or if there's someone else maybe on this Yankees roster that you're, hit hey, because well, we don't want to have Aaron Hicks out there, but that might be that might be a thing.
2: Um, I want to see Oswaldo Cabrera. I, I there was a time there where I was like, no, like we need to leave him open to being like our utility guy, but I mean he still can be. Like I think he and DJ are going to like split that utility guy role. Um. And they're both going to float around a little bit. But that's what I see happening. I don't know. I don't see – like, I, I, I kind of wanted to see, like, Dominguez have a shot at it. But I just don't think he's ready.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he's ready yet either. Once again, another guy who I saw the last bit of Somerset Patriots last year. And that boy, oof he's going to be dangerous when he comes up when yeah. he can, when he makes contact with that ball. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now hear me out. I've been, you know, I got the drawing, the whiteboard over here. You can't really see it, but I've got like, I, I look like someone who's tracking a serial killer cause I have like <laughs> arrows everywhere and I'm like a flow chart. And it was, this is once again, my, my mad scientist working. Is there a way that maybe with, you know, Taking days into consideration, but Stanton may play left field for a couple days, maybe one or two days, Bader in center, Judge out and right. But that allows you to still keep Rizzo and DJ in the lineup, one of them playing first and one of them being DH, while yeah. still kind of cycling some of the guys around and trying to keep them healthy, you know, if you yeah, had the versatility. Exactly.
2: I just hope they don't try to get too fancy with that. Cause I feel like giving days off sometimes Boone like gets a little, he's a little excessive with it. Like, I don't see other teams doing that a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like, don't get too cute.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then like that just leads to injury because they haven't been out there like enough and they're like sitting around and then say there's a rain game, a rain like a postponement and so then they're like end up being off for like five days. It's just that's extreme. But so maybe my I mean. flow
1: chart won't work. But <laughs> like I said, it was me being the mad scientist. I have beakers over there just psh, concocting weird lineups and possibilities. But I love it. I love ultimately it. at the end of the day it sounds like because you mentioned it earlier, not but a few minutes ago, if we can't go, as Yankees, we can't just go out and run the same team out there for the lineup, at least from the lineup standpoint, because they were just getting smoked. Yeah. And I'm wondering what kind of adjustments we know. We kind of saw at the end of last year, bringing in Cabrera, bringing up Peraza. And uh-huh. are those two guys specific – I think those two individuals specifically are going to really need to step up this year for 2023 – is there maybe one or two other guys that aren't Peraza or aren't Cabrera that you could definitely see like this person's going to take a step up and they're really going to level up the 23 Yankees.
2: I don't know. Like, are you just talking everyday guys that that, that uh, we're already on our everyday lineup? Or are we talking like prospects or
1: uh, let's, popular? let's talk about guys who are going to be everyday guys. Like who, maybe who's someone that really needs to kind of level up. I mean, I, initially I thought like maybe like Harrison Bader we saw him what he did in that little postseason run is if he can keep that up yeah that would be phenomenal but it seems like that was a really hot time for him
2: it was but I don't know I I can see it and I I would love for him to take like kind of that leadership role a little bit like I mean obviously we have Judge but um If like if judge has a day off, I'd love for Bader to like really step into that leadership role. And I feel like Rizzo does too. Like he's just a a leader on and off the field too. But.
1: And then maybe prospect wise, if they're like, you know, the dog days of summer, maybe someone goes down with an injury. It's, is there maybe uh, a outfielding player uh, that you're like, you know what? I hope that that kid gets an opportunity or maybe a pitcher that, might need an opportunity
2: yeah what about floreal like is he gonna be is he <laughs> is that what you were hoping i was gonna say uh
1: it wasn't i wasn't hoping for it but <laughs> i have been saying it on this really? podcast and everyone keeps dogging me for it no
2: wait, no i mean i need i need to see something good from him this year
1: I, I i do too and it feels unfair and maybe you can actually touch upon it is and how it ties together with Florial is Yankees fans are ruthless we can be ruthless and oh, I, yeah. I know it you know it let's not run from it we can all be ruthless and I feel like some of the Estevan Florial hate is almost unjust yeah you know, the guy has 54 career at bats in the majors and that's over two different seasons like mm-hmm. yeah I think that I think Florial might need just 100 at bats like at the beginning of the season, all right, you go play left field. You get a hundred at bats. If after a hundred at bats you kind of stink, we're we know we know the experiment's over. If you show some promise, okay, like here we go. Uh, I want to just pull up a number real quick, but let me get uh let me get your thoughts on that process.
2: So what I'm most concerned about, like I don't want him to be one of those guys that like he's not getting any like playing days or playing time because he's sitting on the major like on the Yankees bench when he could be down in like triple A playing every day you know so I just always worry about that a little bit and so like to your point maybe he hasn't really been given a fair shot
1: yeah, it, it's really tough. So I just wanted to pull up the one number while you were saying that real quick. And in 2022, he had 39 stolen bases in the minors. I feel like if you throw that guy in the majors, even if it's not 39 stolen bases at the major league level, say it's, let's call it 25. There's there's room on a team for a guy who can steal 25 bases.
2: Right.
1: Like There's got to be. And home runs, he hit 15 in the minors.
2: And like Uh, speed is obviously not our like forte, you know, with the everyday lineup, like not really. So.
1: Yeah. I'm just wondering, I I hope that there's, you know, I agree that you don't want him just being on the bench, like coming off like to get a couple at bats here and there. I think he legitimately needs to just start. And it's kind of tough when you have a guy like Cabrera who could really earn the, the starting everyday job and, you know a lot of fans are saying well just trade him see what you can get for him but no one wants him because they he hasn't had a shot he hasn't had a chance next thing you know he's going to get dfa'd and end up on the pirates and
2: exactly like that's what i'm worried about
1: and and i'm worried that he'll have an awesome career for the pirates now and then we (laughs) trade a fistful of cash and then someone else to get him back and i'm like we should just give him a a chance (laughs) just give him a chance. Yeah. So um,
2: that reminds me, like, what's happening with Anduhar? And exactly, like,
1: <laughs> no one knows. That's actually that's
2: what I worry about with these guys. Like, that's what happens. We DFA them, somebody gets swipes them up, and like, yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, there you go. Another example is Anduhar with the pirates. You know, Floriel's gonna go join him one day, and <laughs> you're gonna go, Oh man, I wish we had him because. They always, those guys always find a way to come back around. I, I think that there's a legitimate place for them on an MLB team. It's just hard when you have a star studded lineup and then a bunch of other guys who are very versatile, like Peraza can play anywhere in the infield. You know, that's, I'm, I'm sure if you told him, Hey, put on catcher's equipment, he would figure it out. I know Cabrera would figure it out. Cause he Cabrera plays a-
2: played catcher. Like he was a catcher in high school.
1: Yeah, it, it's like, hey, go out there and catch a game. Okay. That, yeah. And I think that's why he's so likable for the fans is that he'll literally play anywhere. And I think he has that, like, child when, childlike whimsicality about the game where he's just like, I just want to play. Yeah. And it's tough I to love f-
2: that. Like, that, that's what I love about Cabrera the most is, like, his attitude, his go get him attitude and, like, his he's so confident but not
0: cocky about it
1: absolutely there's there's a different type of energy in the lineup when he's there and when they were in the process of calling him up i remember the day we were actually recording when it came out like hey he's gonna get called up and next thing you know tomorrow he's gonna be playing so i'm like oh cool i i get to talk about this and it's relevant and yeah, you know, it's always seems with these guys coming up from the minors that they're just spark plugs for the team. They might not they might go 0 and 3 in their very first game, batting eighth in the lineup, but there's something about it that if they get that hit in their very in their debut game, it almost seems like holy cow, I think the Yankees are turning it around or a it's, team is turning around.
2: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, because I was there for judges debut um when he both he and Tyler Austin like same day debut home run it was awesome
1: that's just surreal you've had so many little highlights that I'm just jealous of and (laughs) no one else can see it and I was actually speaking with someone earlier today and it's happening again right now the hairs on the back of my neck are standing straight up (laughs) and I'm like that's just such a cool a cool feeling and um I try to go to a game every year with my dad
2: that's and special. That,
1: like for me that's that's why i love the game of baseball I,
2: yes exactly and
1: i i'll never forget my very my very first game uh one of my, my favorite yankees player of all time bernie williams hit a home run and they started playing disco inferno in the stadium and i was like maybe six or seven years old in yankee stadium just having the time of my life with a little ice cream in the helmet i was like this is the oh, best day ever gosh. They're playing
2: like Disco Inferno, and you were, like, seven?
1: Well, yeah, I mean.
2: You're, like, a baby then.
1: <laughs> well, well, that was the song that they played in the stadium. I mean, I was going to those games in, like, 96, 97. Okay. So, I was like, I don't think I'm that much of a baby.
2: <laughs> disco Inferno was, like, a high it's school, a like, circa 05 or 06. <laughs> but I could be wrong. We were talking huh. about the different, different. I'm talking
1: about the disco inferno by the tramps. Not, oh,
2: okay, okay. Not,
1: uh, I think you're thinking of like the 50 Cent <laughs> <Like> song. <Betty? laughs> I'm like,
2: oh. I was like, hmm, this is...
1: <laughs> so if you're listening, I just,
2: just... I just aged myself out.
1: It's okay, it's okay. We're very close in age, so yeah, yeah, born in 1991. So I know That's I would never,
2: so hilarious. Oh so,
1: but yeah. You know, even this past year, I went I took my dad to a game uh, and on the very first pitch of the game, I remember And another small thing about me that's just silly and stupid. My ritual is I always take the first bite of my hot dog on the first pitch.
2: I love which,
1: that. It's just silly and I've been doing it ever since I was a kid. So now I just keep doing it. And I remember, all right, Severino blasts through the first inning. I was like, oh, this is great. First pitch. Uh, it was a it was the game where it was a game where Aaron Judge was leading off first pitch he hits it out of the park the place goes nuts and you just it was knew that hot dog. it was just that day you just knew that it was everything was gonna be all right Yankees yeah. went on to win that game. Um,
2: Do you ever drink your beer with your hot dog?
1: Like simultaneously? <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, like the hot dog you, eating contest? You
2: know that people? picture that went viral last summer? Like that guy that? Was oh like my afraid. word! Like he like. no
1: No, I do not that is not for me I they are two separate entities and I go eat drink Yep. (laughs) that's just the way it is for me good good uh, um but yeah baseball it's just such a a great thing and I I think baseball is such is a sport that's definitely about storytelling and as a writer you know, someone who's writing on a day-to-day basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, anyone who writes about it, it's always about storytelling. And when you're writing, this is also kind of a weird question. And when you're writing, like, what kind of story do you try to tell? uh, Whether it be about Aaron Judge hitting, you know, having the new home run record in the American League or just a day-to-day, like, hey, this is a guy that we saw in spring training. You know, what's usually, like, how do you approach and try to tell that story?
2: I think people connect with, like, reminiscing. Um, And so, for me, like, I try to always bring in some kind of story of, you know, like, historical Yankees, like, tying it with current-day Yankees. Or, like, even just a personal story of mine or... Um, like I've interviewed fans before about their experiences. So I feel like just connecting, being able to connect with the readers that way for me has been effective.
1: So as you, as you're talking about connecting and connection, and I know that you're about to, uh, officially launch your, your podcast that you help produce and host. Uh, do you mind telling the listeners a little, a little about that?
2: Yes, I am so excited. So we're doing our first recording this week. Um, the podcast is called Babes Babes. So like Babe Ruth. And that is a AI picture of Babe. And it says, you can't see it probably, but it says on air. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, I love that. Babe Ruth theme um we're going to be releasing episodes the 3rd of every month like there's just so many ties to Babe Ruth throughout the like the whole theme um so but we're going to be all over the board like we're not just covering current day like current events um we're going to be covering all aspects like stadium food um quirky stadium stories and weird rules and what they mean and just like across the board history the business side like you know players. I'm super excited yeah yeah I'm so excited like you just don't even realize how many aspects there are to talk about like not just what's going on right now
1: absolutely what- I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things that got me kind of excited, especially about your podcast that that will be coming out soon is I, I believe you said it's an all female podcast.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: And like for me as a male, like I'm personally, I'm very excited about that. I actually had a, another guest on uh, their episode aired uh, last Friday. Uh, and a bunch of people were like, well, you could ask her, are you going to ask her who she thinks is the hottest Yankees player or hottest, whatever. I'm like, no, that's just so dumb. I was like, there's more to this person than just that. Yeah. Um, And I think, Although,
2: I mean, I can go there. If you want I mean, me to go there.
1: I mean, listen, I won't, <laughs> if you want to say it, like, Hey, you're on air, you can say, Hey, so-and-so you're hot.
2: I'll I tell mean, you, I got a thing for Stanton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's a pretty handsome guy. I'm not going to lie. His jawline (laughs) is really firm, and very strong. Gosh. Yeah. And then also the dunk. I'm not going to run from that. (laughs) The guy has a dunk, but someone's going to clip that. And then there I am. There's my, (laughs) there's my claim to fame. Stanton has a dunk. uh, Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. So back on track.
1: Yes, very much back on track is, you know, I'm very excited about to hear your, y'all's podcast, you know, an all female crew. And is there I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this because I don't want to, I don't want to sound like an idiot more so than I already do uh, is do you wish that there were more all female like podcasting gr- like groups, especially about maybe a male dominated Um, topic like baseball
2: yeah for sure like and you would not believe the amount of people on twitter that are like oh like you know so much and it's like yeah like
1: it almost feels disrespectful
2: i can't know so much like
1: yeah exactly and
2: yeah like why not and so uh yeah for me it's just like it's empowering i feel like to be um doing this thing with just girls and yeah, we know our, so why not?
1: Oh, hell yeah. I love that. And it's one of those, you know, uh, I want to be as supportive as possible, you know, uh, towards that. I think, I think women especially don't get enough credit is, especially when it comes to maybe even sports writing, you know, or podcasting about yeah. sports and oh my god you know so much it's like yeah of course I'm just a person who loves this thing yeah. it has nothing to do with my gender and so I'm very I'm really just excited to hear it and I can't wait for it to come out. You can definitely just DM that episode right to me and I'll I'll be the first listener. So Thank I'm really excited so about much. that.
2: Yeah I'm excited. It, so we do plan to bring some women in the industry on um of course to interview and you know like now that there are so many women in coaching roles too i don't know i'd love to tap into that though
1: i would too like my so everyone who's listening my my daughter age 7 looks up to Rachel Balkovic yes and
2: omaha you know, native by the way really yes
1: quick shout out omaha yes is, omaha uh, you know Rachel, if you're listening out there, I would love to connect with you. I know Jonna would love to connect with you as well. And just my seven-year-old adores you. We, we watch baseball at home, and she's like, wow, it just looks like there's boys. I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of what it baseball is. And I, I didn't know how to, like, approach that conversation. Yet. I'm like, oh, be sure to check out my other podcast about parenting tips. Is <laughs> That'll be coming out soon, eventually. Is... But I remember seeing Rachel come up, you know, and they kind of like highlighted her on like during a commercial break almost. And I was like, look, this is someone who is involved, who loves baseball and didn't let gender stop her. And ever since then, she just won't stop about it. So that I'm is like,
2: amazing.
1: So I'm hoping that maybe one like women like Rachel are really paving the way for young girls now and I'm really excited about that and I think that yes. what you're onto to is really helping pave the way for you know and the women before you have re- are really paving the way for future girls Thank so I'm really happy so I'm really much. happy
2: you tell keep tell, telling your little girl to keep going
1: I'm super and the next thing you know she's running track and she just hates it she's like why am I doing this dad <laughs> <laughs> like why am I here <laughs> But um, so
2: on that topic, mm-hmm. you need to buy her the book. Um it's it's by a, a fellow Yankee fan, Jason Klein. Um he's on Twitter and we're we have communicated a little bit on there, but um the book is called Yes Pepper. Girls play baseball too. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of it, but um he I wrote haven't. it for his daughters. Like All to right, teach I'm gonna, them, yes. Like girls can play baseball too, and they can be in baseball. So, yeah. Um, I just ordered the book. It's okay. Amazing. You should order it.
1: I'm I'm gonna order it. She loves reading too. She's literally her nose right now is in, in deep in the Harry Potter book right now or something like that. I'm like, how are you reading this at age seven?
2: Right. I love <laughs>
1: But everyone, you know, give that book a read. Uh, I, I'll try to get a link for that book in the description below. And, uh, well, let's definitely connect on that book later. You know, at a later yeah. date after I get a, a chance to order it and then read it and let her read it as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's Maybe phenomenal. Stay in touch about it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And just, uh, one last question I have for you, you know, our time is running up and I just wanted to ask you real quick is what's one piece of advice that you would give the listeners about your experience with baseball and with, and how you got to where you're at now with, you know, writing about the Yankees, you know, having gotten the opportunity to volunteer and be part of the all-star game event and just any advice that you have almost life advice, but that you got from baseball.
2: So, I have always been like a self doubter with everything that I've tried, but this is the one area in my life that I'm like, this is my passion. I'm like, this has remained like a constant from when I was born, basically. So for me, it was just like, this is your passion. Like, go for it. Don't be scared. So I feel like just don't scare yourself off. Like try new things, and you never know what doors it could open.
1: Amazing, great advice. You know something that everyone should just think about a little bit more. And especially baseball is a sport that naturally lends itself to failure. You know the best hitters are three hundred hitter, three out of ten. You know right. when you th- when you think about it like that, and so it's easy to doubt yourself and. I think you just said that beautifully. So, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So, Jana, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you for sharing your experience, sharing your story. I would love to, you know, keep connecting with you and, you know, keep bringing you on here to talk some like Yankees in the middle of the season. Yeah. And, uh, this
2: has been a blast. Like, I would love to come back and come over to Babe's Babes.
1: Well, hey, listen, if you guys ever have an opening for, I guess I would love to just talk any part of baseball I I I literally love it that's why I'm here that's why we are that's why both of us are here yes Um. quick before we sign off is quick prediction for the Yankees in 2023
2: they're gonna be marching down Broadway <laughs> that's my prediction
1: you heard it here first everyone <laughs> you heard it here first obviously not seeing- just
2: Broadway though like confetti filled
1: Oh, hell yeah. We're going for it.
2: And we're popping bottles and we will be there and we'll do a podcast. We'll do a collab.
1: Awesome. So once again, listeners, thanks for joining us today. Um, Jonna, thank you for your time. As always, we would love to have you back. Thanks for listening to this episode and we will see you next time.
0: All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.